Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello, welcome back to the Raising the Bar podcast. I'm Eleanor Johnson, we're in Gray's Inn, and we're with Joel Semakula talking about pupillage interviews. Joel's a pupil barrister at Landmark Chambers. Thanks so much for talking to us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you've had an interesting route to pupillage. Can you describe it for us? I guess the, the story got around. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I've probably wanted to be a barrister since I was about 15 uh, when I did work experience at uh, Chambers in Temple, to Chambers of a guy called Mr. Wilfred Forster Jones. Um, and when, when I was 18, I, I went out to the States and did my undergrad um, actually in North Carolina. I studied politics and economics, then had a a career, um, a very short one, career in investment banking for a couple of years. All the while still thinking about and wanting to, to, to come back to the UK to, um, to go to the bar. Uh, after, about, after about two years in New York, I actually came back home and did uh, the senior status law degree, which is effectively the three-year law degree in two years um, for those that have a degree in something else before, if you can do it. Um, and in the second year of that degree, I applied for pupillage for the first time. And I was, uh, I made a number of applications, had uh, quite a lot of, of uh, first round interviews, a number of second rounds, and ended up with three reserves uh, at uh, a few sets here in Holborn. And I then went on to do the BPTC the next year, did that over at BPP, and applied again for pupillage, uh, as is normal for a lot of people on the BPTC year. And that year again, I made a, a number of applications and I um, did a, a range of interviews and ended up with what they call with four reserves this time. So when I say, when I say reserve, what I mean is um, kind of making it through to the, past, to the final round of a, of a process, um, make it kind of to the final, final list of, of the pupils that a chambers might want to, to take on. Uh, but just say they only have two spots, they may have a reserve list of three or four candidates after that they consider. So I was on that list the second year four times. So at this point, I'd been a reserve seven times. Some might say I had the reserve curse. <laughs> generally, if I think if you get, you know, if you're looking at, generally, if you're looking at reserves, those those will, at least one of those will convert into uh, into a pupillage, hopefully. But um, I had some pretty bad luck. But after a year, uh, after the BPTC year, I then went on to the Court of Appeal, where I was a judicial assistant, and uh, I applied again for pupillage. And at uh, that time, I interesting enough, I ended up getting um, pupillage at the first place I applied, which was which was Landmark Chambers. And I think I worked it out in the end, I think when I, when I got that phone call, that by that point, I think I'd made something like 45 applications, like 30 first round interviews, something like 18 second round interviews, and and seven reserves or something. So it was, it was somewhat of a journey, but hopefully for me, and I hope that shows that it's okay to keep going. Um, uh, that if the process doesn't quite work out the first time, that if you've got it in you, do keep going. Um, I think the second thing for me is that having done those other things, uh, kind of investment banking and, and being a judicial assistant, those things definitely helped my uh, my application and also helped me in interviews. Um, and um, the final thing is there is a, there is a bit of luck to the whole thing. We've spoken um, on a previous podcast to somebody about pupillage applications. Yeah. And she said a similar thing. She'd been through three rounds of pupillage interviews. And it just demonstrates, doesn't it, that um, obviously it's such a competitive process. And like you said, there is that element of luck. 
Uh, resilience is key, isn't it? And if you don't get it the first time, it does not mean at all that you don't deserve it. It's just the fact that there are so many applicants for so few spaces. Yeah. And it can come down to the tiniest things. So, um, yeah, keep it keeping going seems key. Absolutely. No, exactly. Um, when you first applied for Pitch, obviously, as you said, you had all these different careers and these different degrees. So I imagine by that point you were quite used to the interview, regular interview processes. Yeah. Did you find pupillage interviews differed in nature to those kind, other kinds of interviews? Yeah, so you're quite right. I'd done, I'd done a few interviews um, for university and for, for jobs. Um, but pupillage interviews do have a bit of a different, different style. I think the first thing is most people going through the pupillage process especially if you've got to go through it multiple times, the volume of interviews you'll do would just normally be greater than what you can, most normal people can expect in a year. So that's, mm. that's one piece. Um, and then there is a kind of style, kind of the difference between first round and second round interviews. And also even within those two sets of interviews, uh, yeah, a lot of sets have different ways they approach that process. So prior interview experience was definitely helpful. Um, I think... The, the, the bars interview process is definitely something a little bit different that you have to prepare for. And for people who, like you, had been through different kinds of interviews, or for people who haven't really had much interview experience at all, what are your top tips for starting to prepare for the interviews? I'd say three things. The first thing is uh, know your application. That should really go without saying. Uh, but that's probably the, the best source from which any panel is going to pull um, questions or material for you during the interview. And there's no excuse really to walk into an interview without knowing in, in, in great detail and, and great clarity exactly what you've written in that application. Uh, the second thing I'd say is do practice interviews. Um, I found them very helpful. I know some, some people don't, but I definitely did. I did interviews with a mentor who, who I had through the inn. I did interviews with um, one of my tutors at BPP. I even did... Um, I remember doing some practice interviews with a friend of mine where we'd workshop some questions back and forth. And um, I found that to be, to be a really helpful approach to, to kind of preparing for the interviews. The final thing I think that I did all throughout over the three-year process was I kept a log of the questions that I'd been asked. So after the interview, I'd, I'd, I'd write it down. And I say that because there's no reason why a question should ever surprise you a second time. So if you've you had something and didn't go quite well the first time you answered it, that's an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to learn, to think through how you might approach that again. And as varied as the processes might be between chambers, there's only so many questions and things will inevitably come up again. Yes, that's kind of the approach I, I would suggest. And once you've done your preparation for the interview and you've hopefully got the interview, uh, the interview day itself is quite a stressful day, I imagine. Yeah. Um, how did you approach it on the day itself? How did you stay calm, stay focused? Yeah, it's a, I guess a bit of a, a, bit of a funny one. I think everyone has their own approach. Um, I remember when I was actually living in the inn, there were, there were four of us kind of going through the process together. Which some might say it's not always the, the ideal way to be going through the pupillage interview process, but it was actually quite supportive. It was definitely a very supportive, <laughs> supportive way. But I guess my approach on the day um, I'm big on a good night's sleep, uh, especially if you can do something that might test your brain somewhat. So really, um, you know, sleep well the night before. I, I, I always try and arrive early because uh, I get very nervous about being late to an interview or, or perhaps getting lost or the tube not working or something. Mm. So It's always uh, a way, isn't it? Yeah. Day you have to <laughs> something goes wrong. They're all cancelled, uh, yeah. And you've got interviews on the weekend and just anything, anything. Mm. So 
um, arriving early. I remember when I would arrive early, actually, I would, um, what was the song? I would, <laughs> I'd have a, I'd have in my headphones and I'd play um, the Rocky Fight song. You know, <laughs> so I would actually play this and I'd walk around <laughs> um, the inns and like, or wherever it was, just to, to kind of uh, get myself really in the zone. Um, and then there's a mental piece, I think. And I think I learned this better the, the more I went through the process. If you've made it to a first round or a final round interview, it means people have been impressed by what you've already put forward. And they probably want you to succeed when you get in that room. Um, so it's about, you've got to go in there with an air of confidence in yourself. Um, that's what you have to be as a barrister. That's what your clients expect. And the panel is going to expect that when you get in there. So just whatever it takes to get yourself in that zone and really believe that, that you, you can be a pupil in the set and, and, and they've invited you to this interview for a reason. Um, I guess if you don't believe yourself that you can be a pupil, then it's going to be quite hard to convince the interview panel that you can be. So that's right. would you say it's that balance of confidence, but not arrogance? No, and I think it is a, a hard balance to strike. But I think, I think a lot of people, particularly those of us who perhaps maybe from backgrounds where you haven't where you haven't really encountered many perhaps you haven't encountered many barristers in your background or you don't or the or some parts of this world might seem a bit foreign to you it can sometimes uh seem like this this is a big mountain to climb and i'm not sure I'll, I'll get there but i think i think you do have to walk into those interview rooms confident and you do need to believe that you 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 can be a member of this set one day and that does come across in the way you approach your answers it, it will come across in in, in your ability to make eye contact and connect with the panel. And you've, in those moments before you step in there, you just need to get yourself in that mental zone. Um, and I found for me, that made a difference. And as you said, just getting an interview is incredibly difficult. So Absolutely, it's a yeah. stamp of approval already. And it shows that they want to spend their valuable time speaking to you to find out if you could be a part of their chambers. So yeah. that should be a real confidence boost. And I think with that, you have to remember that um, barristers, don't get paid money to do interviews or to really run the pupillage process, right? These are self-employed practitioners who have, to, who have to take time out of their paid practice to do, to run this process. So they do want, they, they want to see good interviews. They mm. want to pick good people. They want to think that their time isn't being wasted. So that should give you a sense. So they're very invested in the process. They're, they're invested in, in, in seeing their, their chambers take on good um, talent. And, uh, and they're hoping that when you walk in that room, you're that star that they've been looking for. So believe that you are that star. And, and I think that will get you part of the way there. I wonder if uh, downloads of the Rocky theme tune will increase after, <laughs> <laughs> after this podcast. Get everyone walking around the gardens of whatever in. Listen to the Just try not to fight each other is what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, no, never, yeah the, the, wrong, the wrong zone. Um, so once, uh, once you were in the interviews, uh, what sorts of, I know this is a very broad question, but in, in general, what sorts of questions were you asked? Um, were you given pre-preparation to do? Um, so I'd say there's kind of four types of questions. Uh, uh, the first is what I'd call like behavioral type questions. So these are the name a situation when, how did you react if, react if, give us an example, um, those types of things. Um, so that's kind of the the first set. A lot of that is based off of your application mm. um, or it's quite situational based on the type of work that the set does. Um, the, s the second set, I would say, are, are um, legal, legal questions, which might be 
uh, a legal problem, a very short one that, that you might be given uh, and given some time to look at. Uh, and you might get that directly in the interview, but often you'd get that uh, 15 minutes or half an hour or sometimes an hour before uh, to look at a problem and then come in to the interview with your, with your answer. So the third is what we'd say uh, non-legal, what I'd describe as non-legal questions. So these might be more general uh, debate topics. Uh, so it's something that, that's going on in the news at the moment that perhaps some sets view that as a bit more of a fair way to assess people rather than specific legal knowledge. And for that one, I always thought the best way to prepare is to stay on top of what's going on in the news, current affairs, uh, things like The Economist are very helpful. Uh, um, and just ha have a sense of what's going on in the world. Um, and then the final one I would say is, is uh, questions very connected with the set and the area of law you want to, to go into. So uh, that might be more specific stuff about your experience within the set, uh, about the type of work they do. Um, and so that, I think those are the kind of groups from, from what I remember the types of questions. Mm. So as you said before, it really helps to know your application inside out. Yeah know the set inside out, um, keep on top of things. Um, not much, not much to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting that people's interviews do fall within a really busy time for a lot of people, especially yeah, yeah. Um, BBTC students. It falls around, uh, hate to say it, but exams. Um, I remember those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're bound to be busy. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time as interviews. How did you balance the interviews with your other commitments? I think some of the best advice I got about pupillage interviews while I was on the BPTC in particular was to treat it like you've got another module. Mm -hmm. um, it really becomes like another full course while you're on the BPTC. And if perhaps it doesn't work out for you on the BPTC like it didn't for me, and you're in a full-time job, I mean, this is a, quite a lot of work you have to do outside of full-time work. So you just need to to be ready for this to be quite a lot of work. The kind of things I used were, um, I had a spreadsheet, for example, that very clearly laid out uh, when um, when interview processes were going to be. I'd, I'd align that kind of with my own calendar as to when my exams were and, and, and try and make sure that all that stuff aligned. I, I did take a step back from some of my other commitments during just that short interview period and just made this my real focus and priority. And if your preparation is ongoing, I wouldn't start your preparation right before your first round uh, interviews. I mean, you can start a lot of this work before you get there. And that will mean that it's not all hitting you right when you have exams. Um, mm. and, and so taking the time to do that, I think is something that will serve you well. And the final thing, this is just a, a little tip that I know worked really well for me. When you get an interview uh, offer and you're asked for times, I'd, I'd respond to that email very quickly. And the reason I say that is uh, you've got a very busy calendar and schedule. So you want to take a slot that works for you. And the longer you wait to do that, the less likely you're going to find something mutually convenient. So I would always respond to those interviews, so to those emails as soon as they came in. Um, and I found that to be quite, quite a good way of helping balance everything. And like you said, if you've worked out all your availability already through the spread spreadsheets, etc., then that'd be a lot easier to do. Yeah, nabbing that slot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, I think with the with the nabbing the slot piece, some of us know we interview better in the mornings. Some people know they interview better in the afternoons. Some people have superstitions about whether or not panels are are, are more astute to listening to people in the in when you're <laughs> earlier on in the day versus later on in the day. Whatever your thoughts might be around that. 
that might uh, dictate when you want to attend interviews. So I think being quite strategic about the slots you pick, um, you know, in, in a way that works for you is something that I definitely recommend. Inevitably, because the interview process is so competitive, um, some of them won't be successful. How do you think people should deal with those kinds of interviews? I think I should add to my CV like an expertise in um, rejection, you know, because <laughs> I've been rejected so much, I'd say I'm pretty good at it. Um, no, you're quite right. Look, the, the route to becoming a practicing barrister can be a somewhat brutal one. Um, you and you will get, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to everyone, but it happens to a lot of us. A lot of a, a good number of rejections. I think. I mean, it's, I think it seems easier to say, but you know, you've got you've got to be able to move on and pick yourself up from those. That's not just life as a as a wannabe barrister. I think that's life as a barrister. You'll take losses and you'll have to get up and 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 keep it moving. I think the I I've always been like this about exams, but I'm particularly like about interviews. I don't do interview postmortems uh, like immediately afterwards, or um, and a lot of the time you have in, you often have interviews on the same day, so you may have two first rounds or two final rounds. It just if if something hasn't gone well, you've got to get rid of that. Mm. It reminds me Don't of that. Don't let it affect you on anything else. Yeah. Exactly. I think it reminds me of that poem. You know, like uh, is it God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage mm. to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the point is, it's done now. Um, so that's you know right when you've come out of an interview, or if you've gotten a re or if you've received a rejection, um, you know keep move on. Think about think about the next thing and. Just remember that there is an element of luck in this whole process and in interviews. And it's, 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 it's just really about how do you then approach the next one. And remember, if you keep that log, uh, hopefully the, um, every one of these will be, uh, will be a learning, uh, a, a bit more of a learning process. And I think it is true that every no just gets you closer to that yes. So it's, but I know it's hard. I mean, look, I, I remember the second year after I didn't get pupillage, and it was it was tough. It, it, all the stuff I've just said, it was it was tough to to really pick yourself up and, and go again, especially when you feel like you were so close. Mm. Um, and I think at some point it does become a how badly do you want this? Um, however, as we know, you have got pupillage. Yeah, you're a, you're a landmark chambers. <laughs> that was a happy day. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely understatement. Um, as well as the tips that you've already given us, was there anything in particular that you think made that interview successful? Yeah, so it's funny. I think by the time I got to my third year of applying, I was I dreaded the idea of being a reserve, right? So, so I think some people, will, when you're first applying, it seems like a good result, and you're told by a number of people it's you know it's a it's a good result. But I'd seen <laughs> so many times of, uh, of reserves coming to nothing that at that point I just didn't believe anymore that reserves got pupillage, or at least not me. The luck, my luck didn't work that way. Uh, what do I think tipped the balance? I don't, I don't completely know. I can make a couple of guesses. Um, I think. There's no doubt that I ended up being probably one of the more experienced interviewees yeah. uh, by the time I got to that process, just given, I think I said 48 or something, the number of these that I'd done by that point, that has to have, uh, has to have made some difference. The second thing is, I allude to it, is I, re I really think it was one of those interviews where I really walked in with a sense that, um, look, I, 
I can do this. I, I can be a pupil here and I'm going to show, these, show this panel what I can do. Um, and I think that made me more confident in my answers and in, in my approach. And, 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 and I think hopefully the, the, the panel recognized that. And I think the, uh, I think really the, the, the final thing there was with that confidence, there are a few things that came through, for example, not, not being afraid to, to ask for pauses, you know, if things don't, if I wasn't quite sure about a question or having a notepad and pen and, uh, and writing down something when I wanted to and not being afraid that that made me look like I wasn't able to do this. So I think those, the, those small things and the final thing I guess was the, was the log, you know, uh, there's, I'd had a chance to look at, to really think about questions I'd been asked before and, and that allowed me to, I think, approach this in a, in a very prepared way. Um, but ultimately, like, I, I don't know, it worked out that, that day and I'm very glad it did. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm very happy as a pupil at Landmark, so. So it all, all worked out exactly how you wanted it to in the end? It did all work out, exactly. A little bit of pain along the way, but mm. no, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting to be on, on this side of the process. <laughs> and and uh, no, and, and honestly, good luck to everyone applying for, for pupilage. It's, um, and I, I know it's tough, um, but um, it's, it's really worth it. To those people who are facing pupillage interviews this year, do you have any more tips before we end to pass on to them? So I think I've given most of my, my gems away <laughs> now. Um, but I'd say that I guess a couple of points I would, I would leave everyone with is uh, I really do think it's important to just embrace the rejection. It's a, it's a part of this process. Uh, and um, I think ultimately it does end up working out uh, um, and, you, and you end up where you're supposed to end up. Um, but the second part, the second thing really is, and, and I guess this is just true of being a people barrister and a barrister, is uh, there's nothing that, that beats preparing fully for these interviews. They're, they're not the same as interviews you've done before. Um, and so just really take the time and give them your, your, your full attention. And they will take up quite a bit of your life. Uh, but if you put in the, hopefully the time, you'll get the outcome. Uh, that you want and lean on your support systems if you're a member of of an, of an inn which I which I assume many people listening are obviously I'm at Grey's people from Grey's for me were so helpful and instrumental in in helping me one stay motivated um, two stay confident and three just navigate the world of all these different sets that I was interviewing for um, how to approach different questions and and just really how to how to prepare for this in the best way so uh, that's what I would leave everyone with this has been incredibly useful and reassuring. I'm sure all the listeners will agree. And um, as somebody who is applying for people at the moment and you know, hopefully will be facing interviews, we'll, we'll see. Um, I can definitely say that, that is, uh, this podcast will definitely be a real gem for people facing the interviews. So thank you so much for speaking to us today. No, my, my absolute pleasure. And uh, if you know anyone else who's been hit with that reserve curse, tell them to, to get in touch. I'll see if anyone can beat my record. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, good luck everybody thank you and thank you so much for listening thanks for listening to the raising the bar podcast please subscribe rate and review and for more information check us out on twitter at raising the bar gi